Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hello guys, welcome back to episode number 37. I can't believe we're at number 37 already. That's going so quickly, it's crazy, but I'm loving the podcast and I know that you're enjoying it too. Today we've got a repeat guest and highly requested. The first episode that me and Sarah Sumik did was episode number 11. So if you haven't already listened to that one, then I recommend going back and doing so first before listening to this. It's kind of a part two that we recorded for this episode, answering some of your questions from the first episode. And in that one, we were discussing things like skin pH levels, the skin microbiome, the skin lipid barrier, all of these important terms that it's great to be familiar with before we go into today's episode. But I'm sure you can get a lot out of it anyway, because we're talking all about things like sunscreen, um, zinc benefits for the skin, perioral dermatitis, exfoliating acids, makeup wipes, children's skincare, aging skin and mindset when overcoming things like acne and skin issues as well because that's really important and it can be so difficult to live with when you're going through something like that. I've had personal experience, Sarah's had personal experience as well so she gives some amazing tips and tricks for that too and if you aren't already aware of who Sarah is Her name's Sarah Sumik and she's also known as Healthy Skin Glows on her website, her blog, Instagram and she is a molecular biologist, former acne sufferer and skincare blogger and through her platform and online courses she shares science-backed skincare tips to help women bring their skin back to a healthy balance, heal adult acne, reduce hyperpigmentation and slow down the skin aging process for a lifetime of clear, youthful and glowing skin. She has a free online course on her website that you can check out that's got some great information on there. But then she also has her paid for course that I highly recommend. I learned so much from that. And she was kind enough to give me an affiliate code for this course as well. So if you wanna learn how to properly take care of your skin, if you're fed up of using harsh topical cleansers and constantly reaching for antibiotics and Accutane and really figure out how to care for your skin from the outside in, then this course would be perfect for you and I think it's worth every single penny. It's actually a steal for what you get. And if you use the code Vivian10, so that's V-I-V-I-E-N 10, or you can use the link in the show notes. Before we get into the episode today, I just want to give a quick announcement that my Hormones in Harmony group coaching program is open for enrollment for the second round this Wednesday, the 2nd of October. And I'm so excited to share this with you again. The first round, it sold out pretty quickly and it's only a small group coaching program, so I only take 
10 women on board for this six week program and it involves weekly live video training sessions on the six foundations of hormonal health. At the moment this is only available to those in the UK. In 2020 I am planning on opening this worldwide for international, those in the US, those in Europe, but at the moment if you're in the UK you're struggling with PMS, hormonal imbalances, weight gain, your mood is down, you're struggling with acne, hair loss, irregular painful periods, and your age between 20 and 40, then this will be perfect for you to learn some of the foundational things that you need to know to help you through your menstrual cycles. Just going through what you're gonna learn throughout these six weeks. The first week is all about preparation of your body and mind. So making sure that you have everything you need for the next six weeks and for the upcoming months to really give you a positive start and make sure that you can stay motivated and stay inspired whilst we go through the group coaching program and after as well how to set up your home environment what you need in your kitchen how to set up your mindset so that you don't feel like you're constantly going to fall quote off the off the bandwagon and make sure that you have a good mindset to achieve your goals week two is all about combating cravings so learning all about the blood sugar roller coaster how that can negatively impact female hormones if your blood sugar's all over the place how to build your plate so that each meal keeps you satisfied and energized and so that you're not constantly reaching for the chocolates and the biscuits. Week three is all about supercharging digestion and even though you may not feel like you have any digestive symptoms, optimizing gut health is crucial for healthy hormones and also things like your immune system, brain function and energy levels. There's certain foods that are better and worse for gut health so we'll cover those as well. And if you are struggling with digestive symptoms like bloating, constipation, IBS, reflux, then I'll share with you the potential root causes that may be underlying these symptoms that you're having because it's not something that you have to live with. Week four, it's all about boosting your energy, so supporting mitochondria, your adrenal glands and your thyroid health because there's a huge connection between these things and your sex hormones and some simple strategies to help you manage your stress better because stress is inevitable but how we respond and how we balance and manage our stress is crucial and can make us be more resilient against some of the natural life stresses that we're all exposed to on a daily basis. Week five is all about cleaning up your environment so identifying and addressing the potential hormone disrupting chemicals lurking in your kitchen, your bathroom, your bedroom and how to choose actual non-toxic products without falling for greenwashing and marketing ploys and then supporting liver detoxification, providing the right herbs and nutrients to help your body process some of these things more easily. And then the sixth and final week is all about cycle syncing. So learn the difference between the male and female bodies because we're completely different species really and how to sync with your menstrual cycle. So understand the different phases of your cycle and be able to troubleshoot long term if you have any symptoms crop up, whether that's PMS, a heavy period, maybe your period goes missing in the future, you'll be much better equipped to deal with that in the future as well. And you can also use this information to help your friends, your family, and maybe your, your daughter if you have a daughter. So again, this enrollment opens on Wednesday, the 2nd of October, 2019. 
If you want to get involved, send me an email at inquiries at Viva Natural Health. This will be linked in the show notes and the link to the webpage to sign up, join the waiting list and grab your spot because again, there's only 10 spaces available if you want to get involved for the first week. So up until Wednesday, the 9th of October, the, the price will be discounted by £50 and therefore will be £200 for this six week program, which is a steal again, in my opinion, because this is the cheapest way that you can work with me. Otherwise, my one-on-one packages are almost double the price of that and you're getting a lot of the same information and because it's a pretty small group you're still going to have that one-on-one interaction as well. This time around based on feedback I'm going to be offering a one-on-one call right at the start of the program so you'll all have a one-on-one session with me to go through your personal health history, your goals for the program and then at the end you'll all have another 30 minute call with me as well to discuss your progress, how you feel and if you need further support. Members of the group coaching program will also have access to an interactive Facebook group where I'll have a weekly Q&A session scheduled that you can submit or ask your questions live. Whatever you want to ask me about your lifestyle, about your diet, there's the option of submitting your questions and interacting with members of the group as well on that Facebook page to get to know each other a little bit better. We're going to be talking about supplements and the difference between the high street brands and the high quality practitioner grade supplements that you can get through working with me as well. You'll have access to an online dispensary where you get discounted supplements but the highest quality ones that aren't really available just on the over the counter or in the shops. So the early bird is going to be from the 2nd to the 9th of October at £200 and then enrolment is open for one more week before the live classes start on Wednesday the 16th of October at 7pm UK time so every Wednesday from the 16th of October until the 20th of November 2019 so that's a great time just before Christmas and before December gets really busy you've got that knowledge on board for you to get started with before Christmas or if you want to just enjoy yourself over Christmas and then get straight into it into the new year. It's perfect information, you're going to have access to this long term. If you miss any of the live sessions or the Q&As on the Facebook group, everything will be shared with you afterwards so don't worry. If you're busy one Wednesday evening at 7pm, you'll absolutely get the replay too. So if this sounds like a great idea for you, if you're just fed up or struggling with the symptoms that you're experiencing, or you just want to educate yourself to make sure that you're doing all of the right things, you want that support from me, a qualified practitioner, and you want the support of other women going through the same things, you want to connect with like-minded women, then this would be perfect for you. So for more information on the Hormones in Harmony six-week group coaching program, check out the link in the show notes on my Instagram page or on my website under the one-on-one hormonal help section. So without any further ado, let's get into today's episode with Sarah Sumik of Healthy Skin Glows. Hi Sarah, welcome back to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm so excited to have you back. I've got a ton of questions for you as always that I've been saving up from clients asking me questions and people on Instagram sending me messages so there's no better expert in my opinion to have back on the podcast and that's you to talk all about skincare and some of the um, subjects that we didn't discuss last time in episode 11. So yeah, welcome back. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to dig into these uh, topics because they're super interesting and really like some of the really, I would say, important skincare um, questions. So yeah, <laughs> we Perfect. can dive in. Yeah, let's get started then because there's a lot to cover. Um, so what are your thoughts on sunscreen? Should we be wearing it every day? And what should we look for when purchasing a sunscreen that, um, that hopefully won't cl- like clog our pores and break us out? What should we be looking for? Mm, that's a really good question and in all honesty sunscreen in my opinion is one of the um, few products that are really causing the most issues for my clients when it comes to you know like breakouts and just like not being fit for the skin because it is uh, quite difficult to find something that works because generally um i don't like any of the drugstore sunscreens that you can buy just in your store um i always ask that what kind of sunscreen i can just buy in the store i'm like no don't touch any no. of those um so we we have chemical and, and physical sunscreens kind of like a rough um division there so chemical sunscreens they will react a bit differently with the with the uv rays um kind of absorbing them and then releasing small amounts of heat uh kind of like in protecting your skin from uv rays so they, they kind of get depleted in the course of a few hours or so so this is why we always kind of here to reapply the sunscreen when it comes to mineral sunscreen um i definitely advise to look for zinc oxide some sunscreens i see they will be just with titanium um dioxide and this one is not like it's not offering broad uv spectrum protection zinc oxide is basically the only one there that can do that so uh, sometimes you will see like a blend of chemical uh, sunscreen ingredients with titanium dioxide but again i would my my personal preference and what i find really works the best is zinc oxide so uh you will also see kind of very different concentrations of it and i do like to go for those that are closer to like 20 percent it can be a bit strong or like too much for some people even though it will really provide like a decent uv protection and just because like i would say a small percentage of population is sensitive to zinc oxide so it might not be problem when it's a bit in a bit lower concentration but at high concentrations around like 17 20 percent it might even like cause breakouts or just kind of like a reaction and feel too heavy because this is actually gonna give that kind of like a white cast so we have uh, nowadays a lot of mineral sunscreens that have kind of perfected the formula and you're not gonna get that white cast on your skin. Uh, the one I use by Madara is really nice. Like it's a bit tinted and it's not heavy um, and really, really has nice like natural ingredients and a good formula. So I would say when it comes to picking a mineral sunscreen, I would try to scan. Uh, so, you know, you have your zinc oxide, which is the main thing, you know, for the percentage of it, and also to scan for then comedogenic ingredients if you're prone to acne. And this will be kind of like uh, heavy oils, like coconut oil, um, maybe olive oil, things like that. So you can always kind of uh, search for comedogenic rating on dif- of different oils. Um, sometimes people would not be able to tolerate any oils so like if you say have just one or two oils at the bottom of ingredient list it might not cause any issues even things like waxes like beeswax might not cause an issue but if you have you know 10 of them somewhere in the beginning of ingredient list it might start to feel heavy and comedogenic and this is when it's gonna start to cause breakouts as i said like in very few cases i saw that people have issues with all mineral sunscreens they've used and this could be due to zinc oxide. Um, 
and then they have to use a chemical one. So yeah, I would definitely go uh, for the zinc oxide one. I think it's most effective and it stays on your skin the longest and just gives um, really good protection. So you don't need to, you know, reapply it seven times per day. It's like stays on your skin. Obviously, you know, we produce more sebum and sweat. It brushes off your skin eventually, but it is going to stay, you know, for the duration of, you know, I would say most of the day. Um, then I would say also, hmm, what I could add about sunscreen. Do we need to use it every single day? I would say, yes, you normally could. Uh, when it comes to you know, sunlight exposure, you can expose maybe other parts of your body when the weather allows. Obviously, in the wintertime, your face is basically maybe the only exposed skin. So you would probably need to spend some time without any sunscreen. Or if you're spending, let's say, several hours per day outside, then I would apply um the sunscreen and because you are gonna get something like nothing's gonna be 100 percent blocking the uv rays um so yeah i would uh, if you are really and i know it's like an ingredient like product that a lot of the skin coaches and you know experts will tell you to use every single day no matter what but sometimes when my clients are trying to heal their skin from acne and just need their skin to breathe i will sometimes skip the sunscreen to give the skin enough time to just recuperate without bringing in anything that could potentially cause more breakouts so we want to kind of establish a base routine that is not causing any more breakouts and then you can kind of start adding more products like sunscreen and watch if something's breaking out because if you have like so many products and you don't really know what's breaking out right so uh, as I said like sunscreen is one one product that can really give a lot of issues uh, but these were kind of like my general tips mm -hmm. um, for for picking a sunscreen I actually have a list on my website of some of like a few favorite um, that I generally recommend in case um, when people are really sensitive to like all the liquid sunscreens like um cream sunscreens i do recommend a powder one uh, which is also zinc oxide based by derma e which is like the purest powder sunscreen that i found and this one you can apply over makeup as well and just kind of like easily reapply because it's powder throughout the day so people who are really like in areas of the world where the sun is really strong like australia brazil or something like that um i do tell them to be more careful with the sun so in those cases i would consider reapplying when the sun is really strong you know maybe for us in norway and uk it's not so critical <laughs> to reapply so many times but yeah depending where people are in the world it really does become like a necessity to to have a decent sunscreen and reapply it so this can be like an easy way to to reapply some protection okay great and we were just we were just talking before we started recording and um i just asked you for like an overview of like everything because you could go on forever you've got like so much knowledge in your brain so pretty much with all of these different um topics that we're going to be discussing i'm sure you've got a blog post on them so you're going to send me a link or um i'll link in the show notes to further information on all of these different subjects um but what i wanted i had i had a few questions on sunscreen so we know that zinc is beneficial like internally through our diet to improve skin health does the zinc topically help with like skin protection in any way or is it just the does it just have uv protective mechanisms 
um, the, the zinc topically can actually be pretty soothing for the skin. And it usually is, which is why you will find like 1% or, you know, half percent of zinc in, in some of the um, topical products. I think that the ordinary actually has niacinamide with mm. zinc. Oh yeah, um, I have because that one. both are kind of like anti-inflammatory and just coming to the skin. So in most cases, as I said, like people will really benefit from that zinc, and it's the same thing—the one with, you find in sunscreen. So uh, I've never personally had problems, you know, and a lot of people don't with zinc oxide. So it can definitely be pretty soothing for the skin. Um, I even think like there are creams for babies that will contain it, just because they will kind of like soothe the eczema and just like generally anti-inflammatory. So yeah, definitely topical zinc can soothe the inflammation and just really be protective of the skin mm. okay and is there a particular order that we need to add sunscreen on so you mentioned the powder one you can put on top of your makeup like continuously but what's the correct order so if we're applying it first thing in the morning do we do that before we do like an oil or after what do we do um i would honestly do it as a last step I know like historically we were advised to put it as a first step, but this was mostly for like chemical sunscreens. And then you need to kind of like wait, I don't know, 20 minutes before you go outside or whatnot. Um, but with physical sunscreens, so with the zinc oxide based ones, I usually just uh, recommend applying it at the very last. And yeah, obviously when you reapply, it's also going to be the last product on your skin. So you can apply it, you know, under your makeup, obviously, if you're wearing like a liquid foundation or something. Um, but yeah, usually it's like it's in the last product that you apply. Good. And you have a list of your favorite kind of non-toxic ones on your website. So we'll link that as well if anyone's, um, anyone's wondering about brands. Okay, so next subject is perioral dermatitis, which is kind of um, a skin rash that people tend to get around their mouth. So what are your top tips for that? Obviously, a lot of it can be internally based. Like from my perspective, I see a lot of that being linked to gut health, whether it's candida or bacterial overgrowth that's causing this and sometimes hormonal imbalances, hence why it can sometimes flirt in pregnancy. But what can we do topically to maybe heal or improve current perioral dermatitis or prevent it from coming back if there is anything? It's a really good question. And we can also link a full blog post on this. I'm just going to kind of give the key takeaways from this. So it's obviously, it has root, like the, the root causes is inflammation, disrupted skin barrier, imbalanced skin microbiome, which is basically the same as for acne. Like kind of like this is at the core of the problem, right? Mm -hmm. And this imbalance can, as you say, stem from the inside. So, you know, if somebody has taken a course of antibiotics, this is obviously also going to affect the skin microbiome which can contribute to developing perioral dermatitis, which is kind of like, it looks like a, a, a mesh between rash and acne, mostly around the mouth and like that area. Um, so we are not really sure what's causing it, but as I said, like inflammation, disrupted skin barrier and imbalanced skin microbiome are at the core of the problem. A lot of times, um, you know, people, when it comes to periodermatitis and acne, like also other skin issues, people tell me like, what ingredients, like what products I can use? And my first question is always, what are you using right now? Because there is no use in applying helpful products if you haven't first eliminated what's mm -hmm. hurting you. Is the same with diet. Like you can eat the good foods, but like if you're eating foods that are really triggering you, like you're not gonna get anywhere if you don't cut them out. Um, so we need to in, we need to cut out products and ingredients that are raising inflammation. 
medication that are disrupting in some way skin barriers. So these these will be um, uh, like uh, products with fragrances, uh, products with like um, irritating essential oils like peppermint, uh, menthol, like a lot of the lip balms will actually have this. And as you're smearing on your lips, like it goes around your mouth, which also can be triggering. A lot of the mouthwash and like toothpaste will contain some of these ingredients. Also sodium lauryl sulfate, which is a really strong surfactant found in facial cleansers, also in toothpaste and ingredient and products like that. So this will end up around your mouth and it can irritate, really irritate the skin there. So I recommend avoiding them. A lot of times dermatitis can flare after use of topical steroid creams. So sometimes you will maybe like even treat it or like a similar condition with it. And then dermatologists will not tell you to stop using it after like maximum two weeks or something. And then you're gonna develop horribly like skin conditions like severe disruptive skin barrier peridermatitis you know whatnot so it's really important to uh to keep an eye on that also like nasal sprays containing corticosteroids can actually trigger the same uh fluoride is a big trigger in my in my experience and it can be in drinking water it's in in the toothpaste maybe another you know um or a hygiene product. So this is definitely ingredient you want to avoid if you're dealing with um, periodermatitis. So I know it's a bit of a hassle for people who live in areas where the water is still fluoridated, like, oh, I need to buy the filter. And I was like, yeah, but you do really need to because it can really be that one trigger that is stopping you from seeing progress when it comes to periodermatitis. Uh, interestingly, also heavy uh, occlusives, uh, so like heavy creams, heavy foundations, something that's gonna really sit like a thick, you know, unbreathable layer on top of your skin can also trigger um, or like worsen periodermatitis. So people, when they have certain skin problem, they will reach for heavy creams oftentimes. And in case of periodermatitis, like applying coconut oil or olive oil, things like that, sometimes you will even see those ingredients uh, you know on pinterest or online for as like treatment but in my experience it can really make the matters worse so i would try to leave the skin as bare as possible and just like not interfere so much and when you're interfering to do so with just like minimal very gentle products and ingredients and i'm gonna list some of um helpful ones now so um, let me see. Yeah, I have like all these kinds of different ingredients to avoid. And then to help your skin um, recover, obviously we're gonna uh, try the anti-inflammatory diet, you know, try to cut out the triggers from the inside, also cut out the you know, irritating ingredients from the outside, simplifying skincare. And then the ingredients and products that can be Helpful are things like uh, organic yogurt. Um, and again, it's not going to work for everybody, but try, just try to do a patch test. So I recommend doing a patch test first on skin that ha doesn't have periodermatitis, like on part of the skin, and then on the one that has, just to see how your skin is reacting, because we do want to bring back some of that good bacteria, which is obviously now in imbalance so as you know we have lots of bacteria on our skin you know fungi mites and they need to kind of be in balance for us to have healthy skin 
So organic yogurt with really pure um, or ingredients, you know, with like live lactobacillus or bifidobacterium species can be helpful. Um, fresh aloe vera gel, but like the fresh one you squeeze from the plant that doesn't have preservatives can be helpful. One thing that actually that maybe can be a good starting point is to brew some strong organic green tea and use that as a toner once it cools down because green tea has certain polyphenols uh, like epilo, uh, epigala, gallo, catechin, galat, always don't remember this EGCG. EGCG. EGCG, It's super inflammatory and can really cool down the skin, you know, cool the inflammation, whether you are dealing with acne or peripheral dermatitis. Uh, so you can use it as a toner, you know, morning and evening, even like more times during the day and just like to, to kind of just calm down the skin, do something that calms it down. Another thing can be just organic chamomile tea, like to, you know, brew it strong and use it as a toner. Keep it in the fridge, use within a week, you know, don't, um, keep in mind it doesn't have any preservatives. Um, and that's it. Like in, in cases where it has already progressed, you may be forced to use, um, you know, conventional treatments, but it's not the end of the world. You know, you go through a treatment and you try to go back to a routine that is soothing and not irritating to just prevent it from coming back. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And on the subject of fluoride as well, um, I've mm-hmm. definitely seen that. So toothpaste, water, um, I think everyone, if they've got fluoridated water in the first place, I think it's just beneficial to get a water filter just for general health, because we know that fluoride has like antimicrobial properties so it can affect the gut microbiome therefore impacts on immunity it's also a halogen so it can impact um thyroid hormone convert uh, production so yeah if you've got fluoride in your water i think a quick google search can help to determine that as well i think it is recommended to get a fluoride uh, filter as well and then on the subject of the probiotic kind of aspect of yogurt being beneficial at restoring the microbiome on the skin we've been seeing more probiotic skincare ranges these days which are believed to be acting in similar ways so like the big one that uh, we hear most about is mother dirt so i don't know if you've heard of that particular brand but what are your thoughts on probiotic skincare is it best to focus on your internal microbiome that which has a knock-on effect or will topical probiotics help with skin conditions have you seen um, this is a really good question and it, it, it comes into that it depends category. So I would say, you know, when our skin is healthy, the bacteria on our skin is most likely in balance. Um, so, you know, skin is feeling just supple, moisturized, doesn't have, you know, acne or you just have like very sporadical uh, breakouts. So this is kind of like indicative of, you know, a strong skin barrier that you know wall on our skin that that keeps the irritants out keeps the water in and it usually comes together this is why i kind of call it healthy through you know skin's ph skin barrier and skin microbiome so they kind of support each other and when one is down the other one also the, the other two are also being dragged down and being kind of like imbalanced so i would say people who have maybe used antibiotics both orally and topically definitely i think you can benefit from using a topical probiotic as well so it has been really a challenge for skincare industry to formulate a product that has live culture of probiotics and i think mother dirt I, it's probably like one of the first if maybe not the first um brand to do so 
So we know um, that uh, the bacteria that they have, uh, Nitrosomonas eutropha, is uh, it's so-called um, uh, ammonia oxidizing bacteria. So it's kind of like producing nitric oxide, which is a substance that is antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory. So it's just like a little part of that protective uh, immune system on our skin provided by the good bacteria. And due to our hygiene practices, uh, you know, over stripping cleansers and scrubs and like everything we assault our skin with, there has actually been a decline in this type of bacteria. And bringing it back uh, with, you know, maybe mother dirt uh, spray that has this bacteria can help, um, especially if you are been through like a course of either topical or oral antibiotics. So yeah, it's definitely something I recommend to my clients who fall into this category. I would not recommend it to like every single person because I just think we don't need to give skin what it already has. Like don't fix it if I'm broken. So I don't think it's going to be really necessary for absolutely everybody, especially people who have always used minimal skincare. Their skin is in a good place and healthy. Like you don't need such a product, but it's definitely a great tool to how to help people with different skin conditions, including paradermatitis, uh, to help their skin find its balance and just kind of lower that inflammation. Yeah, it's kind of the same, like internally, if your gut's like really messed up and you're really com compromised, then adding in a probiotic can sometimes make things a little bit worse, especially if there's like overgrowth or um, other issues going on. So yeah, with everything, I think everything was, we're saying, it, it may not work for you. So just always keep that in the back of your mind, even though, some of these recommendations are really good and effective for some people. Um, always do like patch tests and things. I think we should really emphasize that. Yeah, it's really important. And Absolutely. probably an important one to do this with too is things like acids. So alpha hydroxy, uh, beta hydroxy. Can you go through kind of the general exfoliating acids that we should know about and why, why we would benefit them? Uh, absolutely. This is a really good point. Um, as you said, like, especially something that's going to be more invasive on our skin, um, give you quicker results is usually going to be also maybe potentially more irritating. So you always in the patch, patch test, be very um, careful and like watch for the uh, signs your skin is giving you. When it comes to exfoliating acids, as you said, we have, uh, we have AHAs, which is alpha hydroxy and BHA, which is beta hydroxy acids. So basically uh, we have salicylic uh, and there's like also one or two other forms of salicylic acid that we use in skincare. I think they're a bit gentler than the salicylic acid alone, but basically it's the only of the BHAs that uh, we use in skincare. And it's oil soluble one. So this is why it's touted to kind of just unclog the pores and be really good for oily skin, for clogged skin. So it can penetrate into that clogged pore and try to kind of unclog it. The problem with it is it can be too drying for a lot of people. So I would never recommend it to a client who has dry skin, for example. Like I would rather go for alpha hydroxy acids if we know that their skin can tolerate them. Um, and, you know, I generally see the potential benefits of using them. Again, it's, it's, nothing is kind of like for everybody. There's not a single product or ingredient is going to be for everybody. When it comes to alpha hydroxy, um, there is, you know, uh, agrees like glycolic acid, lactic acid. Glycolic acid is kind of like that golden standard. 
So I would say it's, uh, it's pretty strong in a lot of cases, but it's also really effective. So as we age, you know, we can kind of like maybe turn more to glycolic acid. Uh, it's going to be more effective. Whereas, you know, lactic acid can, is like gentle enough maybe to, to start with for a lot of people, but it's still going to kind of get the job done. And it's a naturally occurring one that you also find like in organic yogurt. So this can be like a natural source. Uh, the good thing about the exfoliating acids um, can be is, is actually that they provide additional benefits. So with mechanical exfoliation, you're basically just um, scrubbing off that superficial layer of that skin cells. But with the exfoliating acids, there are also additional benefits. Um, that can uh, kind of arise over time of using it. So lactic acid can actually boost the skin hydration via independent uh, mechanisms. Uh, something similar with glycolic acid, mandelic acid, which is a different one, can even actually increase a bit the sebum production. So people who have like really dry skin, it can help with just kind of normalize that um, sebum production. So there are obviously like additional benefits to exfoliating acids and they will work, you know, in for a lot of people when it comes, if we are really careful about how often you use them, uh, the concentration. So I would always recommend to start slow, you know, not every day of the week, just a few days per week with lower concentration and then work your way up depending on what your skin needs. So they will be kind of like the general guidelines and, and just info. And what about, and what about hyaluronic, hyaluronic acid? Hyaluronic acid. That, that be something, a different category? A different category. Yes, hyaluronic acid is simply, it's not an exfoliating acid. So it's not going to exfoliate the skin. It's simply going to hydrate the skin because it is a very effective humectant. So it draws the water molecules to itself and kind of holds them near the surface of your skin so that you feel your skin being moisturized, you know, when you touch it. <laughs> uh, it's also natural to our skin in a bit deep layers of the skin. But the one that you apply topically is just going to be there to just kind of temporarily boost that hydration level which can help your skin also be healthier um, so it can be combined with almost any ingredient really whereas with exfoliating acids i would mostly leave them to work on their own so i would not apply vitamin c serum you know retinoids or whatever on top of it like this is a no-no whereas with hyaluronic it's just basically for hydration so you can you can combine it with most things it's not going to exfoliate the skin recommended products or brands that you think are going to be helpful for like generally obviously everyone's different but um i would say yeah it's really hard to answer because yeah i, I recommend such different products for different people and but i would say maybe the one that is going to be cheap and like really widely available and gentle enough for a lot of people to start with is the five percent lactic acid from the ordinary like this you can be kind of like first tap into the exfoliating acid world and see how you go with them a lot of people are able to tolerate it well they see their skin is like just more glowing and exfoliated the morning after no bad reactions nothing so usually i would say it's a good starting point and like you're not gonna waste a lot of money if you if you find that it's not working for you um, for example, you know, the, um, there's another good exfoliant that a lot of clients who come to me have already been using is the glycolic acid exfoliant by Drunken Elephant. Mm. So this is a product of almost $100 and it has a blend of like few um, exfoliating acids, including glycolic acid. And this is going to be a stronger one, obviously. So people who are already 
experienced a bit in this area and know their skin can tolerate. Like I would not choose such a product to be my first exfoliating product. Um, With makeup wipes, some of these can have like acids and chemical exfoliants in there as well. I recently heard your story on makeup wipes. So can you give us your general overview to whether they're effective or are they something that should be avoided as much as possible? Um, you probably know then that I'm not the biggest fan of makeup wipes. I just think it's, it's one of those products that we don't really need. Like it's unnecessarily harsh on the skin and there are much better ways of removing makeup, whether it's oil cleansing with a suitable oil and like a super, super soft washcloth or a cleanser, gentle cleanser that's going to remove the makeup as well. Um, because if, when we are using makeup wipe, the the surface is not gonna be so cloud soft as I usually like whatever is touching your face uh that is you know kind of a cloth I would just really make sure that it's soft like a cloud like <laughs> that's how soft it, soft it should be a lot of makeup wipes you're gonna rub on your skin um you're just gonna it, it, the skin is just gonna get irritated so a lot of the times um or a lot of the makeup wipes will have, um, I'm not going to say all of them will have, you know, sodium sulfate, but they will have certain surfactants because these are the cleansing agents that you cannot make the wipe without. Uh, some are more harsh than others. And, but even when they are gentle ones, you need to have lots of preservatives to have a makeup wipe. Because if you think about it, uh, any water rich environment is prone to bacterial overgrowth. And when you open the makeup wipe, there's like a big hole in that box and all the makeup wipes are wet. So the producer needs to ensure that in the weeks that follow, they're not going to get contaminated. Like they're not going to start, you know, having all the bacteria on them. And to do so, you need lots of preservatives, which are going to irritate the skin because they also negatively affect the skin. Uh, the good skin bacteria um, on our skin. So the combination of these preservatives, you know, stabilizers, surfactants, especially when you don't rinse them off. So a lot of people will use makeup wipes and then don't rinse them off is just recipe for disrupted skin barrier. It's a recipe for disaster because a lot of the skin issues start with disrupted, you know, damaged skin barrier. This is when the inflammation is like continuously rising. So I, if you must use makeup wipes, um, honestly, don't. <laughs> um, uh, just, just, you know, rinse them off with water. Um, I would say micellar water is better because you're going to use like a softer, either reusable cotton cloth or, you know, soft, just, you know, uh, cotton round that is going to be softer and hopefully you're not going to rub so much. So just try not, not to rub so much. Um, again, you would need to rinse it off. So yeah, definitely not a biggest fan of makeup wipes. I just think that there are so many, you know, better ways to, to cleanse our skin and to remove makeup if they're not really necessary. They're convenient, which is what they sell. <laughs> but, you know, I'm always a bigger fan of the skin health overgoing, you know, for the convenient option. Me too. And I have a question about cleansers. So even like the natural skincare brands, when they have... Um, when they have the cleansing agents that are derived from like coconut products, do you know what I mean? That give it like the slight forming agent. Is that still as bad as like SLS or is that something that's fine because it's kind of a more natural? Um, when it comes to a surfactant being natural or not, 
it really doesn't matter uh, because the, the molecule, we need to see how molecule itself is interacting with the skin. So a lot of the, you know, artificial ones, the one that we created in the lab, uh, synthetic ones, will actually be gentler on the skin than maybe some natural soaps, uh, which will have, you know, uh, high pH, so they are going to disrupt skin's pH. So scientists have nowadays created a lot of really gentle surfactants. So the fact that something is derived from coconut means nothing when it comes to how gentle it is. So I know this is something that sells well, but it, it really has nothing to say like as i said like the most natural thing is you know natural soap but this can be actually the the most stripping for the skin so um, so yeah you you if it foams a little bit even if it doesn't i mean as i said like to have something that cleanses and it washes off with water you need to have surfactants and some are gentler than others uh, sls uh, is obviously probably the harshest ones we use nowadays in skincare. And um, there are some others that, you know, are pretty, pretty fine to use. I actually have like a, a category and a list of, you know, um, for each category of some like examples in my free online course that you can also link to. So I just kind of teach people what to look for. So for example, if they have oily skin, they may be tolerate may be able to tolerate certain class of surfactants that are not super gentle. So they're going to like cleanse properly their skin. Whereas people who really have sensitive skin need to search for like the gentlest possible surfactants. Yeah. Not just look for where it is derived from. Like mm. it doesn't yeah, good happen. Point. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm sure I've got a few clean, organic, non-toxic cleansers that contain some of these things. So I'm definitely going to have to have a clear out of all of those. Um, and some people tend to over exfoliate with the whites and with the physical scrubs and with the chemical exfoliation because they notice the under the skin bumps. So some people are prone to them like on their cheeks and particularly on their head. So um, these are called like milia. So what do you tend to recommend for them? Um, actually, I think this is a really, really good question. I'm just going to go a bit deeper here because I've actually had a few, interestingly, a few of the um, uh, cases recently that people would email me and saying they were diagnosed with milia and that they will send me a picture of their skin and it's not milia, it's just comedones. And then I asked them, like, it looks to me, they're just comedones. Are you able to squeeze them? And then the person says, yes. And I'm like, then it's just comedones. Mm -hmm. Amelia. So Amelia, it's not really possible to squeeze out. It's just basically accumulation of lots of keratin under the skin surface. So that skin cells are basically, you know, not basic, but they do have a lot of keratin. Like most of them is just that keratin. So when your skin is kind of being clogged by something or not able to exfoliate itself and usually i would say people who use very heavy makeup removal products around the eyes you know like these oily waters and like whatnot they will develop like milia around the eyes maybe just due to these products obviously you know they're also internal triggers but milia is going to be really yellow and just you, you just can't squeeze it it's going to be familia. Whereas for comedones, I would say um, it might be a bit different because familia, I honestly don't know what to tell you when it comes to the treatment options. Like it would have to be something invasive. Like I would go and ask for professional help because there is no really exfoliant 
that you can use at home that's going to be effective. I mean, it could be, you know, some people may have had success, but it's really difficult. Sometimes retinoids can be of a little help, but it's a pretty kind of hardcore <laughs> bump, very hard, difficult to get rid of. Um, when it comes to comedones and the, where you, when you comment how people just go with lots of exfoliants and, um, just different things when they have these bumps, let's say they're comedones. And I understand where they're coming from. Like they're really eager to stop them from coming. What happens so many times, I've seen it so many times, is that you overdo it and you're causing yourself even more comedones. Because comedones mature from clogged pore and clogged pore is gonna happen if you have too much inflammation. So as you're stripping your skin, as you're disrupting the skin barrier and just not letting your skin be in that healthy balance, you are going to raise inflammation. You are going to raise, you know, interleukin one alpha, which is a cytokine that triggers hyperkeratinization process, which basically clogs your pores, may even be contributing to milia, I'm not sure, just because it, it increases the keratin production in that skin cells, which makes them more sticky, but also creates just the more keratin um so so yeah it's sometimes people my clients would actually uh like we would reduce 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 the amount of exfoliation they're doing and actually when they stop exfoliating altogether the bumps would go away <laughs> which is like completely different what opposite of what everybody's telling you so you know it's not like um people you know would often ask me like what is the one product or i've been told i need to use salicylic acid if i have bumps and i'm like no, you need to first reduce or cut out those inflammatory products and practices to actually have a clean slate and start from the right spot um, to, to start getting rid of them. Love yeah. that advice. Simplify <laughs> and start with the basics before yeah. you like start searching for all of these fancy things. Yeah, so just appearance of comedones doesn't mean that you need to exfoliate more. I think this is like the bottom line. Um, it's going to mean that sometimes that if you're already exfoliating on a pretty regular basis, that's probably not the reason you are still getting comedones. Okay. So people go a lot for facials, especially if they're prone to skin complaints or just preventatively if they've struggled with something like acne in the past and they want to keep their skin clear. What are your thoughts on kind of conventional, um, aesthetic procedures so things like microdermabrasion microneedling vampire facial are there any that you tend to find aren't that helpful or some that you find can be generally helpful for a lot of people um this is a really good question and then i always say it depends because i like to know where the client's skin is at you know as we work together their skin is kind of making progress and evolving in a way um so i would say they will reach a point a lot of them when they are ready for a facial if they wanted to they don't need to ever get it um that can benefit them and uh, but yeah, a lot of people will maybe get them without actually covering the basics and just ensuring that what they're doing every day is working. Because if you have, you know, a daily routine that's not working and you get a facial once a month, like how much of help, you know, how much help are you really getting? So when it comes to different facials, you mentioned, you know, the microdermabrasion, vampire facial. What was the last one? Microneedling. 
Microneedling, yes, they can all be actually helpful. Um, I'm not such a huge fan of microdermabrasion, I must say. So, I mean, it's basically a very fancy way to mechanically exfoliate the skin because you will have like these tiny crystals that are scrubbing the dead skin, self, dead skin cells and some of them will just like simultaneously also suck them into the device. It looks almost like a pen. Um, so basically it's a way to mechanically exfoliate the skin and you know, you know, for people who don't have much acne, maybe have some bumps or have like melasma or different forms of hyperpigmentation, it can actually be helpful to, to take off the kind of extra layers of that skin cells from the surface. I would say microdermabrasion or derma planning can be, um, is, is similar in that way and can be kind of efficient treating these conditions but then how much is it better than chemical peels i'm not enough here to to say but i would say that maybe a gentler chemical peel like those hydrofacials may be more efficient you know who knows so um for people who cannot tolerate chemical uh, exfoliants obviously you know the microdermabrasion might be a safer bet um, so it's definitely kind of like there's a one based on your skin needs. When it comes to PRP, you know, platelet-rich plasma is basically you are um, extracting it from, from your blood and, you know, applying on the skin. And I think that actually the vampire facial is just basically applying the PRP after like microdermabrasion or maybe other forms of exfoliation so that it can penetrate better. So you have like a lot of different, you know, growth factors and things that just going to be that energy boost the skin and just kind of boost you know its radiance um maybe uh push it for uh like better cellular turnover which is what we want to have more fresh new skin cells coming to the surface faster and just like you know skin starts to look um better but i'm not sure of its long lasting results so a lot of times after this facial the skin will really glow and if you're getting them regularly you know you could probably have really good results but you get them just once i'm not sure like how much actually it's worth and how how long the results gonna last um so yeah i would definitely say there is a um, time and place i would say um depending on where your skin is to get a nice facial like one of these um if you want so yeah one that will be for everybody um I'm not really sure what to say here. I would definitely say it's in those categories. It depends. Microneedling can be incredibly helpful for um, acne scars. And when the, it comes to dented acne scars, um, it may be actually the only thing that can give you like real difference. Um, so yeah, getting it professionally done is obviously going to be more invasive, but also more effective than having like a home kit uh but yeah having a home kit may be a good way to 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 get started so yeah definitely i would say it's in the category of defense i always make my clients tell me when they're gonna get a facial because in the past they'd be like oh i got this facial because you know my husband whatever like a friend bought it for my birthday or whatnot and my skin is ruined now oh no. <laughs> and it's like there, there were different facials involved but it's just their skin was mm. not right yeah, it was in the place where they can have um, that type of facial. So. What about professionally done um, extractions or doing it ourselves at home? Like, should we never pop a pimple, or is there a particular way that it needs to be done? Um, honestly, I would not make a habit of it. If you have 
just really the only the only time i would say some to somebody to get an extraction facial because in my experience it just makes more problems down the line so yes you have extracted at that particular second um your comedones but in my experience you're just raising inflammation and no matter how gentle you have still you've still made like little pokes like you know holes in your skin barrier and this can just make the inflammation swim around you know inflame new cloak pores and just lead to more skin problems so um i would say that it's, it's not something i generally recommend only sometimes if the person has really very deep comedones which take a long time to go away and the person is already working both externally and internally on preventing new ones from coming then i would say okay just get a facial get them extracted and then we're gonna make sure that no more new ones or at least as much as possible to prevent new ones from coming to the skin just because it can be really a long time before the existing ones go away. But if you're not doing anything to prevent the new ones from coming, you know, you're not really getting any, anything from, from the treatment, nothing, nothing long-lasting. Long and is there a proper way for us to do it at home? Like, should we always just leave them to do their own thing? But what about if we've got like an important meeting or like a wedding to go to? What, how do we deal with a big, fat whitehead? Uh, this is a really good question and sometimes i would just say you know extract it because it's white hat is just there it's looking you in the eye and have to extract it so i would just make sure your skin is uh clean uh you're using a clean you know tissue paper and you're not poking from like deep around the you're just trying to make a little hole in the uh, pimple first so that when you actually do squeeze it comes out easily so this way you're not gonna like do so much damage deeper into the skin so this would be the way like you don't need to steam or anything like i would i would actually first try with hydrocolored patches if you can because they will suck out that pus so if your pimples don't come to the head don't extract them like you're not gonna be successful anyway but if your pimples do come to the head try to use hydrocolloid patches at least a few days before the event or something that you have because they can really suck out some of this pus you may not need to extract them at all which would be the ideal uh, situation interesting i've never tried those is there a brand that you like Recommend? Um, I have never used them personally, but I have lots of clients who swear it really helps. I mean, it really helps a lot of times because they are not seeing the pimple, so they're not picking at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like maybe the main way they are helping. Um, so you know, there is not a brand. I think, um, God, I forgot the brand somebody had recommended to me. But basically, I mean, any. Mm one with like really simple ingredients will work uh so there are hydrocolloid patches and acne patches acne patches will have like extra acne fighting ingredients maybe like salicylic acid or tea tree oil or things like that so i would just go honestly for hydrocolloid patches in most cases because some of these acne fighting ingredients can be just too irritating sometimes so if you just need to you know avoid squeezing the pimple just go for hydrocolloid patch Okay. So now I want to cover like some different types of skin and top your top advice for all of them. So the first one being aging skin. Is there anything different that we need to be doing um, as we get older? 
This is an excellent question. I love all these questions. Um, so as we age, our stratum corneum, so that uppermost layer of epidermis, so epidermis as a layer is the uppermost of the skin, but then stratum corneum is going to be kind of like that top layer of that skin cells. And as we age, our skin is not so good at exfoliating uh, itself so much. So it is going to run, but it doesn't run so smoothly. So as we start to age, a lot of people will start to experience kind of like dry skin or, or downright dry skin. And they just think, oh, I just need to, you know, use more moisturizer or more heavy moisturizer. But it's actually not what you need. What you need is a bit more exfoliation to get rid of or just like to try to thin out that now too thick stratum corneum. Because we do need certain number of layers of these dead skin cells, but if there are too many, um, you cannot really hydrate them properly. Like you can hydrate, you know, 15, 20 layers, but not 40 of them. So it's gonna look like you have dry skin when in reality, as you age, when we are maybe in our 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond, you just need more exfoliation. So you need ingredients that are either going to directly exfoliate the skin, like exfoliating acids, or retinoids, which is which are going to increase the cellular turnover. So you're not you're basically also thinning out that stratum corneum, which is now becoming to be too thick. So I would say these are the main things, or like the main ways in which our skincare should change as we age um again you don't need to go heavy on its ingredients if you're like in your 20s in your 30s i mean it will depend on the skin but you know later on that it becomes of more need to exfoliate the skin um more regularly uh, because, because this is like a natural one of the natural mechanisms in which the skin ages um what other things for aging skin i mean we have I would say vitamin A, you know, the retinol is probably the most research ingredient and the one that we really have good scientific data on. So I would make use of it. It works, you know, whether you get it from like a non-toxic product or whether you get it from, you know, downright you know, <laughs> toxic one, really strong one. Some people will just say nothing else is like strong enough for them. Um, it's, it can be really, really efficient. So this is the one product that I think yeah it works great for aging skin um other ingredients like peptides you know things like that that can kind of also um, contribute to just younger looking skin your boost collagen production and so on um are have some research you know maybe if a lot of them still inconclusive but it can can be helpful however i will i would make sure that you have these staples you know that i mentioned like something uh, exfoliating that works for you and a nice retinol yeah Perfect. What about darker skin tones? Is there anything in particular that they're maybe prone to or need to emphasize? Um, do you mean just like dark? Do you mean like, you know, uh, like for, for black people or like yeah. for different race? Yeah. yeah. So I would say for them, there is not much difference uh, besides that they have better skin. <laughs> True. <laughs> better, I just mean that their skin is naturally more acidic. And actually one of the pioneers in like skin barrier research i think it's like a married couple called elias or something they have a paper titled black is better <laughs> um, they show maybe like for the first time or like somewhere uh that the acidic uh, the uh skin of, of, of black people really stays acidic 
for uh, longer, so they do age better. And this is actually one of the, also the way in which we age. So like uh, that I didn't mention is actually really important. So we do have more sensitive skin as we age. So you're not gonna tolerate so much all these PhD disrupting, skin barrier disrupting products, as well as, you know, we were young. So definitely the skin will become more alkaline and you need to pay more attention to keeping it acidic enough. This, this will also actually be a priority. So for them, yeah, you know, they're pretty lucky. So, you know, I think it's the same for Asian skin. So a lot of times, you know, we say, oh, it's, they have such nice skin. And they do, oh my God, they look so young. And then we think it's all due to, you know, Korean skincare or whatever. It's also, um, a lot of it is genetic. So I don't think there is much, like all of the principles that I teach will definitely apply to all races. Like it really doesn't matter how dark your skin is. Uh, obviously they can maybe, you know, just produce, um, melanin more quickly, or maybe like those whitish acne scars will be more prominent, but in, in like regard to treating the skin differently, no, honestly, nothing, nothing like there is, there is nothing different I would do for, you know, different race, like a, a client, um. No. Would you say that they can tolerate maybe less sunscreen? Like they would benefit more from UV exposure or is everyone um, best to avoid it as much as possible? Um, this is a good question. So, I mean, as uh, obviously if you have lots of melanin in your skin, you're naturally better protected against sun without applying any sunscreen. So for them, you know, it can be fine to you know maybe skip to something here and there especially if they live in like really um cloudy climate um again of course you know the sun always gets you it's good to use sunscreen every day but yeah uh, we when it actually when it comes to uh, vitamin d production this is what maybe most differences because they will probably need more sun exposure to produce enough uh, whereas really kind of like fair skinned people um, will need just maybe a little time to to produce enough. It's kind of like evolutionary, I guess, mm -hmm. trait. Yeah. Yeah, true. And final skin kind of subject or area is children's skin. So again, you did like a fantastic Instagram story on this the other week, and I'm sure you've got that saved in your Instagram highlights for people to refer back to. So is there anything that we need to focus on for children's skin? Obviously it's less complex. There's probably no breakouts there, but there are prone more to things like eczema uh, and maybe rashes. So is there any top tips for maybe parents out there listening? Yes, this is, uh, I think, a really important topic because if we, we are definitely overusing, I see parents definitely overusing um, skincare on children when the skin is just healthy on its own and it doesn't need much. It just needs us not disrupting it. So obviously, you know, when, when, when you have a baby, then you need to, you know, change a diaper like eight to 12 times something, sometimes more per day. And you would use a makeup wipe or something that has a surfactant and it's going to be left on their skin, disrupting the skin microbiome, disrupting the skin barrier. And this can really trigger diaper rash, which is like, I guess, one of the most common skin problems in, in young children, you know, babies. So I would, I would say, and this is something I talk about. So just try to avoid them as much as possible. 
Um, next time, actually, I, I, I have a baby. I'm just going to use like one of these really soft cotton rounds and make my own, um, maybe just like blend water with a bit of oil. Like you don't even need some kind of soap or surfactant. You're just going to uh, wipe it with this. And I would actually use this after a gentle wipe, but I'm just gonna <laughs> skip the wipe altogether because I would always try to rinse off the wipe ingredients from the baby bottom, you know, from the baby's skin, yeah. which can really irritate it. Um, so this is one, my one tip, not to leave it on the skin if you must use a wipe. Also, when it comes to the bath time, you don't need like you don't need a bubble bath every single day. Like they can have a bath, and I think it's a nice ritual, which I also had with my son. Uh, ever since he was, um, you know, a small baby to have like a daily bath, just something relaxing before bedtime. But I would never put like a body wash or soap of any kind into it. I would just put several drops of a nice nourishing oil, like sweet almond or avocado oil. And, you know, he's not going to stink. He's not going to be dirty. Like he's going to be clean like heaven. Um, and this, I think it holds true, um, you know, children of, you know, like five six seven years of age like they will not need soap like you know they get dirty sure you know wash the hands wash the feet um but like having like a daily bubble bath i think it's a thing of a past and it can really just strip in a lot because their skin is pretty sensitive and soaps do strip the skin and they can develop eczema they can develop dermatitis all these skin conditions which are actually rooted in that inflammation we talked about in, in the beginning and that disrupted, disrupted skin barrier and skin ph so this is where it's all stemming from um so yeah i i, I mentioned in my story like how my son never had like a diaper rash or eczema any of those i'm not like nothing with the skin and like nurses would always comment how nice skin he has like it was always glowing and uh, like people were like wow like i cannot believe he's never had a diaper rash i'm like no he really didn't um, it, it's really so common, but I just think we need to think, you know, what are the products we're using on a daily basis? And, um, yeah, I, I've had so many messages after that story and people telling me like, Oh my God, I wish I knew all this because my baby, we had this like terrible rash after I used this makeup wipe just once. And then it takes like months for it to, for the rash to go away and things. So it's like, yeah really um too harsh products on very delicate baby skin especially young babies um so we need to be really careful definitely and there's all of this research these days about like the hygiene hypothesis so the more that we kind of strip our skin and clean the house with bleach and don't let the kids outside playing in the dirt that yeah. kind of impacts their immune system internally as well which has a reflection on the outside so let them get a little bit dirty let them play outside they don't need to maybe wash their hands before eating um those types of things can really help with build up the immune system make it more resilient so that they're not like constantly coming down with colds and flus and um, immune-based problems so yeah that's a really important piece as well and final question that i wanted to ask you your approach to is mindset when it comes to skin complaints and particular acne and things that kind of cover your face you work with a lot of women with skin complaints so how do you coach them through the mindset of it all because it can be like really relentless and upsetting and social isolating for some people so what would your approach and advice be um this is this is such a good question and such an important topic and 
I'm going to be really, really honest here. So a lot of the times, um, the women I coach, obviously I'm going to have a talk with them and just advise them to try to channel their energy into something other than their skin. So it's enough. It's never enough to say, don't stress about your skin. I just think it's counterproductive and say, oh, it's just acne. It's just skin. No, it's not just acne. It's Mm -hmm. not just skin because it has so much to do with our self-image, with our confidence. And actually, I, I even had like one of, one of my newsletters on this topic that I have also a lot of responses from. Like w- w- as a society, like it's a good thing and we're promoting acne is normal, but also when we are belittling the problem, which can, be, which can lead downright to depression for some people, we're really not making it. Um, we're, not, we're not helping. So people tell me, oh, I just always thought I was vain because I really felt insecure about myself because of my skin. I'm like, no, you're not vain. You're just trying to, to because we all want to look good whether we want to admit it or not. And skin is a huge part of that. I can definitely relate to, to just being really insecure in the skin because of acne and especially in, in, in adult uh, age when you're you know successful maybe career woman you have to hold speeches in front of the audience you have you know meetings with your staff and your face is covered in acne like you look like a pimply teenager to yourself like in, in your head so um the one thing is i would say to to you know accept that it's stressing you out you know don't stress about it's stressing you out it's stressing you out enough already so we need to accept yes it's it's a problem but also to just um focus as much energy into other projects that excite you that occupy your thoughts because if the skin is all you can think about all day long how are you ever going to relax? Mm-hmm. There's no way. You can have your 10-minute meditation or whatever. But like if your thoughts are mostly on your skin all day long, you have nothing, nowhere else to channel them to, it's, it's, really, it's really very uh, terrible. So like for, for people who maybe like go on a two, three-day camping trip without even a mirror, they be like, oh my God, like I, I feel so much better just because I didn't think about my skin so much, about what I'm putting on it. Or like, so, you know, these things, really helpful uh the one thing that i find is the like the trick to really relaxing people when it comes to their skin is when they see and feel that they are making a progress or at least when they are when they are certain they are on a good path because what i found to be a source of a huge amount of stress is when you're doing something and you're not really sure if it's going to work as long as you are in that position you're going to be stressed like two more you know or bigger or smaller extent but you're going to be stressed like it's it it, when people tell me now i finally feel i'm at the i'm going in the right direction i feel this is going to work i see small changes every day or every week this is when i can actually start relaxing not before yeah. So you know, you can call it vain. You can call it, you know, being obsessive. But I, I don't call it like that. You know, like I, I just think that it's, um, it's, it's very hum, human, like to, to, to when you see it's working and when you're confident, you're gonna get to your goal. This is when you start relaxing because you're not in this like constant stress. Like I don't think this is working. I just don't think it's gonna. It's, it's not gonna be enough to to relax you. Mm-hmm. we've both been there as well so we totally can relate and empathize empathize with people who are struggling with skin issues and it's so easy for people who have had like amazing clear skin all of their life to say oh it's only a few spots it's not that bad like people have much worse 
like some people have burns all over them and it's you can't say that to someone because um you, like you said it's their confidence and something that they want to focus on and the mind is so powerful so it's that saying like the more that you focus on something the more that it's going to happen and that the more that you focus on the negatives the more that's going to come into your life and like the the negative energy and the stress caused by your thoughts is just going to exacerbate the problem so we don't expect you to be like Pollyanna and just happy about everything and like saying in the mirror like I'm beautiful if you really don't feel it that's absolutely fine for some people that can help with the motivation but yeah you just have to remember that it's a process the skin takes time to recover but like you said the, the minute you start to feel comfortable and confident like when you're working with a coach as well I think that's why it's so important you've got someone else um telling you from an outside perspective their opinion it's not just you looking at what's going on at yourself the whole time because you can miss crucial important things um so yeah I love that overview and I think it's such a good summary to this episode as well because it's fine us talking about all the different topical things but I think if you've not got your mindset right in the right place you don't feel confident in your approach then you're never going to fully overcome your issues so yeah I love wrapping it up on that note and we finished all of the questions I had uh, which is amazing in the time too um so yeah this was a great episode I knew it would be and I would absolutely love to have you back on again I'm sure I will in the future there's never ending questions so there's always going to be something that we can chat about but yeah Sarah questions seriously oh good <laughs> so can you remind people where they can find you online and um, tell them a bit more about your online courses again and I am an affiliate for your, for your course because I absolutely loved it and learned so much myself so the link to that will be in the show notes if you wanted a discount on that as well and so yes yeah. yeah will do so tell us a bit about where they can find you online so I'm basically healthy skin glows um on our platforms like if you just google you know healthy skin glows um and it's exact handle on instagram as well healthy skin glows and it's also healthy skin glows.com for my website where you can find my blog and like free courses so where i have free online course and uh, a few of the free email courses where you get um one email uh throughout the three days so you get one email every day um, during the three days and also for my paid course which is basically uh I would say you may have, you may find like 20% of the skin health issue, the kind of topics that I talk about there, but I put basically everything that you need to know to develop your skincare routine, to fit your skin needs. I didn't just scatter this info throughout my blog. So you won't find it. Like it's not a collection of blog posts as some people, you know, do the courses because if it was just scattered around, you would not like it would just be destructive to you. Like you need it in like organized matter to actually follow the steps too. Uh, so it's basically helping people, especially like, you know, adult women with acne prone skin, um, find again that healthy balance and uh, do as much as you can topically to heal your skin from acne and just make it really healthy and glowing. I get also a lot of questions if it's going to work for, if you don't have acne, absolutely. It's teaching you core principles of good skincare that anybody can apply. So it's there. You will not, 
see in there, you know, use this moisturizer, use this cleanser. <laughs> and uh, obviously there's going to be a list of like over hundred products or so, um, with my recommendations, but the most important part is where I teach you what to look for, how to listen to your skin in which order to apply products, what to look for, how to, you know, use different ingredients, how to combine and so on. So it's really like a very, very in-depth course on skincare. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I definitely recommend if you are just really confused um, with your skincare. So before wasting any more products, just learn what you're doing first. And it's going to be actually, it's actually one of the things that a lot of my clients and just like students will say in their feedback, like I'm just waste, I'm using so much less money on skincare now, but it's working. It's like, yeah, you didn't need so much to begin with. <laughs> and we were talking about this again before we hit record that I mm -hmm. asked you, is, was that ever in your, your kind of goal, future goals to ever create a skincare? And you were saying not really, because there's so many products out there, good and bad. And your job and your passion is to educate people on how to find what works best for them coaching them through that so I absolutely love that about you so thank you so much for your time once again and I recommend everyone go and follow you and check you out because you every day you're providing some sort of information that's so valuable to so many people thank you so much for saying that it's like you know I, I have the same opinion about you so I'm like always you know referring people to you because as we also commented like treating the skin from outside properly and inside is really like I'm going to say the only way to get really, really good results exactly. because if you do one and the other is like, a, is mess. Like, <laughs> get as far as, as you would like to. So. And that $300 serum's not going to really work if you're <laughs> eating McDonald's three times a day. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's seriously like I, I actually got asked just uh, earlier from somebody and it's a typical question I get to ask, like what is the one product or mm. ingredient that I need to have if I have acne? And it's just like, um, and it's, it's, it, it, I explain in a lot of words in my course why this is a wrong question to ask, you know, so how to basically know what works for you and how to learn. So there is no one single product or ingredient for everybody. There's no one size at all. So, so yeah, definitely learning about our skin, how it suffers and how it interacts with all these different products. Um, it's going to last your lifetime, the knowledge, and you're going to really harness it to have the best skin Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hormones in Harmony podcast. If you like this episode, please leave me a rating and review as this helps to spread the word to other women dealing with hormone imbalances. As a massive thank you gift, I'll send you a free guide, Six Steps to Hormonal Harmony. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review, then email it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to download this free guide. If you haven't already, check out my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and Instagram page at vivanaturalhealth for tons more free content and inspiration. You can also schedule a free 30-minute hormone troubleshooting call to find out the next steps to take in order to overcome your symptoms naturally. See you back here next week for another episode.